We are the men who. While the conscious mind is distracted, the therapist is tapping into the subconscious mind. And that part of the mind is the part that holds on to every single memory of every single thing you've done in your life. It is also the part that protects you. But sometimes that gets a bit cross-wired and it thinks that it is still protecting you by getting you to either behave in a certain way or think in a certain way. And so sometimes that protection is no longer required and is actually no longer relevant. So in therapy, in, in hypnosis, we are tapping into the subconscious to say, that's no longer needed. And, you know, would you accept trying a different way from now on so that you can really be supportive of your person that you're actually there for? Welcome to The Men Who Talk, the men's mental well-being podcast brought to you by The Men Who. The Men Who is a men's collective for actively maintaining positive mental well-being. With The Men Who, men have the opportunity to talk, listen, support, care for, and help themselves and each other build meaningful connections in person, online, and together. Together, it's our purpose to raise the power of sharing what's on our mind and make it easier for men everywhere to access their well-being potential. Join us on this lifelong journey. We are The Men Who, and welcome to The Men Who Talk. Christy, a very, very warm welcome to the Men Who Talk podcast. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And hello to you too. Hello. It's, it's wonderful to have you on. I'm going to introduce um, the, the context of this in a moment, um, because I think this is one of the most powerful topics that we've had on the Men Who today, certainly from personal experience. And, and as we'll get on to in a, in a moment, the reason I wanted to bring you on is just to share the power of um, the, the kind of service that you offer people in the mental well-being sphere. But before we go into our, our topic today, um, can I just ask you to introduce yourself and give a brief overview of what it is you do? Well, my name is Kirsty Freeland and uh, I've been a hypnotherapist for the past seven years. Um, prior to that, I spent most of my career in um, caring jobs, um, latterly in the role of the patient and family support manager in a hospice. Um, and that was responsible for the um, social work team, the bereavement team, all the pre-bereavement work and so on. Um, so I'm absolutely passionate about, you know, being in a role that where you're able to help people when they most need it. And, you know, people just, you know, often can just with a little bit of input, find their way forward. And so that you know, it's just been fantastic to move from the hospice, which was just too many hours, too many demands, you know, that I decided I needed to, to reduce my hours, have a little bit more time for me and my family. So um, I'd heard about hypnotherapy. I investigated and thought that sounds amazing. It was something I could do working from home and I thought it'd be much more flexible in terms of the time commitment. And so I trained in that and, and the rest is history. I've been doing it for seven years and I absolutely love it. Great, and making a big impact on people's lives, people like me. Um, so, <laughs> so as you've Thank said, you. you are 
<laughs> you're very well. Well, you are very welcome, but I'm, I was the one that benefited from it. Um, so as you've said, you are you're a, a hypnotherapist. You've, you're a, a very experienced hypnotherapist now, with I think seven years under your belt, and and that's that's the topic of today's conversation: hypnotherapy and um, explaining to people not only what it is, but also how it works and and how it can influence people's um, minds, not just I suppose in the present, but also helping them explore their past as you've said, to, to help create a better future. Um, and this is something that, that we're going to go into a fair bit of detail on, but I suppose just a little bit of context for the listeners is I was at, I was recommended to you by a friend, um, someone who's also part of the men who, and it was at a time in my life where I wanted to start exploring some, let's call them issues that I'd held for a long time, issues, beliefs um, that I knew were holding me back in certain areas of my life. And, and I confided in, uh, in, a friend who'd been to see you and he suggested hypnotherapy and I think like a lot of people I wasn't entirely sure what it was I wasn't really sure how it worked but um, he was so effusive about the benefits of it and the experience that it was something I was really willing to explore um, and that's when I found you so I came along and you you know you did a great job of putting me at ease immediately and um, encouraging me to come along and, and try it out and in the hope that it would benefit my mind and, and these issues that I wanted to overcome. Um, so it was a, I mean, exceptionally powerful experience for me. It's one that's lasted, you know, way below, way beyond the few hours that we kind of spent together earlier this year in these sessions. And as I said earlier, it's, this is why I want to bring you in particular into the men who conversation, because I think there's so many others out there who can benefit from not only understanding a bit more about it, but also potentially participating in them, in it themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and it, that's what I love about hypnotherapy, the fact that it can help with issues that sometimes have been really long-standing issues, and yet in the space of just, you know, one session, two sessions, three sessions, you know, a handful, these issues can be worked through and sorted out and, you know, you find a new way forward. Mm -hmm. Whereas all the other sort of support services, counselling and that sort of thing, I think they're wonderful but it is a much slower process. Mm -hmm. So it's the bit about hypnotherapy that I really love. I'm doing myself out of a job, actually, because you know, <laughs> I'm basically saying to people, I don't expect to see you very much. You know? <laughs> I remember you said that to me at the end of our, well, what was our final session? And it's, it's, I, it's a bittersweet moment because it, it is an extremely powerful thing to be a part of. And I, I think you probably feel that even though you're the one sort of delivering the therapy, Mm -hmm. very much so i get a real buzz when people have benefited you know yeah. I, that that's what gives me fulfillment in the job you know just it's great to see that people have had that space to just talk through issues often it's you know been the first time they've really explored it all they don't want to talk to family and friends about it um so they get that opportunity for a you know a, a defined time to just explore these issues work them through and then find a better way yeah you know, to move forward so it's great good well i'm really excited in a moment to hear how you know how you define it how you explain the approach for everyone but before we get into the, the topic of hypnotherapy proper obviously the men who exists as as a sort of mental well-being environment for for men in this case but um but for anyone who listens i think what we're going to talk about is is very relevant to the human being um but before we go into this Looking at mental well-being generally, I mean, what does what does the phrase or the, the the kind of world of mental well-being mean to you? Um, I think 
it's about balance. It's about, you know, balance in your in all aspects of your life. Um, in particular work life balance, but you know, as I say, in all aspects, it's about acceptance of of yourself, um, of who you are, foibles and all. Um, when you know, there's nobody perfect. Um, we tend on a whole to be quite critical of ourselves and the things that we see as our weaknesses um, when in actual fact those weaknesses might actually be bringing a very special part of you um, to the equation so uh, that's very much for me it's about balance and acceptance and and also sort of um, being comfortable with the fact that we we all take a very undulating path through life um, it can't be perfect the whole time. And so, you know, an acceptance of that and going with it mm -hmm. and finding ways to make sure that you're you're making sure you've got enough space for yourself and and taking care of your needs, whatever those needs are, both both physical and mental. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in a word you used there, which was weaknesses, um, because because a lot of people wouldn't necessarily throw that word under a broader definition of well-being, but just explain a little bit more about why I suppose it's important that you embrace and recognize weaknesses as part of this holistic balance. Well, as I say, I'm, I'm sort of using that as a word that people use to me. They, mm -hmm. You know, they see it as a weakness within themselves, whereas I think every aspect of us creates the whole person. Mm -hmm. um, so they're, you know, they're not necessarily weaknesses. They, you know, for example, it might be that you, you know, somebody thinks that they, they're too emotional, they cry too easily or something, but actually that might be a very special part of them that people like because they mm -hmm. see it means they care, they've got a heart, they, you know, they, they have the ability to feel emotion. So it could actually be a strength, but they come for perhaps, you know, for something like that. And you, mm -hmm. you help people to see actually, you know, that's maybe not a negative at all. It's maybe a strength and a positive. Yeah. I find that very, um, I find it very reassuring for someone else to sit there and explain it like that. And, and, and that's what we did. I think I came out of our time together and one of the biggest things I took away was this element of reframing. You know, we hadn't necessarily changed um, the, the kind of root cause of something or the root of a belief, but it was framing the context around it in, in, in my life, in this case, that helped me understand it through a new light. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a reassuring way of thinking about it. So, I mean, you're professionally on the side of um you're, you're the one who's delivering the therapy and, and you know helping people in this way but i mean what do you do in your own daily life or in your own mind to to maintain a, this positive balance of well-being um gosh that's a good question i mean I've, I've, <laughs> i probably find that quite hard to define because i think i'm basically a, a cup half full person anyway Mm -hmm. and i'm very much um i get on and i do things you know because i think po possibly influenced by the the work i did for a couple of decades in a hospice where you see that people um unfortunately you know don't get as long a life as they were hoping to have i've adopted a very much an attitude although i think it always was there but it's maybe been made um stronger by that experience of working in the hospice that you really do have to live your life and you have to make the most of it. And, um, you know, I've had some pretty awful experiences myself in my past, but I've always come out stronger and thought, you know, right, it just is another reason to really make the most of life. And so, 
yeah, I'm just lucky. I think that I I can take that approach. Um, if things if things are troubling me, I tend to to make sure that I take the time to think it through and work out is there anything I can do about it. And again, I I very much sort of feel there's no point in stewing over things that you actually have no influence over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I choose my battles, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's taken me a long time to reach that point where yeah, I think almost prioritizing challenges or battles or things that you really want to put your mind to. And I've, you know, in a sense, I'm like you, I've grown up and always been a person that goes after opportunity or thinks, you know, I should, I should follow on a, an opportunistic thought or creative thought in my mind. But I'm reaching the point now where, you know, time's quite limited with me, um, having a young family and I'm, I am getting better at prioritizing the ones that I choose to choose to tackle in a positive manner. Um, but I think it's a very important skill. Um, let's go into the world of hypnotherapy then, because as I say, this is such a fascinating field for me that I've only been introduced to this year and uh, came out the other side, I think, and I hope a better man from it. Um, the, the, the first, this is a kind of a, a two-part question, and I think it, they, they hold equal weight. In your kind of professional experience and training, how do you define what hypnotherapy is, but how do you define what it is not as well? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the the thing I hate most about this is probably answering backwards um, to your two parts of the question but I the thing I hate most is the fact that a lot of people are put off before they ever even try hypnotherapy because they have seen stage shows of hypnotists or they've heard about them and the trouble is that you know in seeing things like that people get the impression that being hypnotized is about being put to sleep with a snap of a finger and that you are then completely under that hypnotist spell that they can say anything to you make you do or say anything and usually it's to make a fool of you in these stage shows um and so it gives the impression that you are completely powerless in that situation and as i said it, it puts a lot of people off even attempting to to seek help in from a hypnotherapist when in actual fact what it is is nothing like that it's an experience where you're very very relaxed you're not actually asleep at all and if in fact if somebody did go to sleep because they were too relaxed i would be wakening them up mm-hmm. because i don't want them to be asleep but you're in a very relaxed state and what we do is basically distract your conscious part of your mind so that it can either just be in that relaxed state or it can be enjoying a little thought process of its own or it can be listening to everything that the therapist is saying. And it actually doesn't matter which of those it is or if they dip in and out of the three things. Um, but while the conscious mind is distracted, the therapist is tapping into the subconscious mind. And that part of the mind is the part that holds on to every single memory of every single thing you've done in your life. And it is also the part that protects you. But sometimes that gets a bit cross-wired and it thinks that it is still protecting you by getting you to either behave in a certain way or think in a certain way. And so sometimes that protection is no longer required and is actually no longer relevant. So in therapy, in in hypnosis, we are tapping into the subconscious to say that's no longer needed. 
and you know would you accept trying a different way from now on so that you can really be supportive of your person that you're actually there for so it's it is a state of deep relaxation where as i say the conscious mind's distracted but it can hear everything that's being said it doesn't always remember it and that's different for different individuals some individuals remember every single word that's been said to them in a hypnotherapy session other people can't remember a single thing and for some people as soon as they've alerted at the end they've come out of that deeply relaxed state they can remember what was said but then when you say well what did i say it just goes <clears throat> and it's it's like when it's the same sort of state as when you waken up from a very vivid dream and at first you really remember that dream very clearly but if you then speak to somebody or get up and make your breakfast it can just go and you know it was a really vivid dream and you really want to remember it but nothing will bring it back mm -hmm. it's just gone and it's that same sort of feeling for a lot of people when they come out of that deeply relaxed state they think they've remembered everything but then if they don't actively try and put that into their memory it just disappears yeah it's i mean hearing you explain that it's bringing up very vivid memories for me of our, you know, my experience with you, um, and the, I suppose the experience that I accessed, I, I'm, I, you helped me mainline into, um, in particular for me during our first session before I was familiar with the methods and, you know, we'll come on to the methods, but, um, my memory of that first session in particular was, uh, you, you took me on a journey into my subconscious and increasingly as we went on that journey, I was able to recall events in my life that had obviously shaped me as as a as a human as a man um i was able to visualize these in such finite detail you know not only what happened but the environment i was in as well you know down to the details of the 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 door handles that i had to open to walk into a certain place um what kind of glass was on the door you know the tiles on the kitchen floor things that subconsciously we're obviously still in there, but consciously, I just I just batted away, and I think what that helped me do was was creating such a vivid environment. Really helped me tap into that, and and almost in a sense make this memory real or projected in front of me, such that I could address that memory as an adult in that time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's that goes back to what I was saying that the subconscious remembers every experience you've had in life, whereas the conscious mind cannot retain all that amount of information yeah um the filing cabinet's only so big for the conscious mind but it's infinite for the subconscious yeah so yes by by relaxing and distracting your conscious mind your subconscious can be tapped into and that's where all those memories still are and very clearly um so that's why it's really helpful to tap into the subconscious attain you know those memories back again all the mm -hmm. detail to be able to, as you said, look at it with an adult mind and see it from a totally different perspective. And often because of our own life experiences, we can then, you know, figure out ways to handle that situation much better than we could as a young child. So, or a teenager or whatever age we were. Mm -hmm. So it can be really helpful. It's not a technique used in every situation, but it, it can be very helpful for 
um, issues that are still impacting on us as adults that actually um, affected us as children. And we've, mm -hmm. we've, we've held on to usually beliefs and um, thoughts about those experiences that, as I say, they were, they didn't make a lot of sense at the time because you were too young and mm -hmm. emotionally immature possibly to really know what was going on. Um, but then as an adult, you can see it with a totally different perspective mm -hmm. and rationalize it and find a place for it. You know, either, either drawing a line under it completely or just finding a place that you can kind of almost package it up and say, right, that's it dealt with. And yeah. I can leave it behind now. And that's that very much how I felt coming out of the experience. I was going to save this for slightly later in the conversation, but now seems a good time. I cannot remember if I said this to you during or after our sessions, but would you would you know what I was trying to say if I tried to describe the experience as like traveling back in time? Um, I know what you mean by that, yeah. Um, I'm a bit weary of it because I think, you know, it may put people off. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, it's, you actually said it earlier, it's about taking somebody back to a time in their past um years uh, however long ago it could it could just be somebody's trying to remember something from a year ago but they've blocked it yeah. or it could be that it's you know way back to childhood but it is taking you back and as you said because you're in this very relaxed state you're able to remember with much more detail and clarity that situation that period of time that it may be one particular event but you can remember it with much more clarity and detail because you're not getting it muddied by all our conscious thinking. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can see why you're saying it's like traveling back in time. Yeah. I think the last thing I want to do is put anyone off. I'm trying to do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, think, I think I'm just weary because of all these um, assumptions that people make about what yeah. it must be about. And as I say, if, especially if they've seen stage shows and things, people tend to be very nervous. And if they think somebody's going to be playing with their mind, then it's, you know, it's a bit creepy and spooky yeah. and they just don't even want to, to go there. Whereas I would love it, you know, if people would just go and talk to a hypnotherapist, even without committing to doing a session, just talk to them about what the issue is, hear what they've got to say about how they would help you. And hopefully more people will, will seek help because it can be so powerful and rewarding if you can just deal with it. As I say, and then move on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean that little minute conversation there. I suppose it does go to show why the the language we use around anything, but particularly things around mental well being, is so important. And as you've just described in the context of hypnotherapy, I think. I mean, just to bring a bit of uh, context to what I was trying to say is what I experienced was, um, you know, I was able to go back and talk to. It must have been, I think, my twelve year old self as as a 34 year old man with all that experience, with all that, you know, wisdom. And, and it almost felt to me as if, you know, the two versions of me were in the same room at the same time. And I was just able to give, you know, the, the kid the benefit of that wisdom and help him, as you say, contextualize that particular experience. Um, so that, that's kind of what I mean by that phrase, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, just, it's, it's difficult to put too many world words to, cause it was, you know, just such a powerful thing to go through. Mm -hmm. hey everyone we just want to say a huge thanks for tuning into this episode of the men who talk 
and take a quick break from the conversation to remind you how you can access more information on our collective. Head to our website, www.themenwho.com, drop us an email at letstalkatthemenwho.com or check out our Instagram, at themenwho underscore, to see what we're up to. Together, it's our purpose to raise the power of sharing what's on our mind and make it easier for men everywhere to access their well-being potential. So why don't you join us on this lifelong journey? Thank you, and back to the show. So take take the listeners into into the experience in terms of, you know, when they walk into the room with you or, or any hypnotherapist, what can they expect from the time that you spend together? How does it actually work? Um, well, I think we're all very different. Um, we've all had different training. Uh, what I would say is anybody who's considering seeing a hypnotherapist, always make sure you get an accredited hypnotherapist. And they will not be insulted if you ask them about their experience and training and any particular specialisms they may or may not have. Um, but for me, I always try to reassure people when they first come because, you know, on the whole, people are nervous because they, they don't quite know what to expect. Um, there is this belief in a lot of people that you're going to sort of take them under your spell and be able to control them. So I, I do spend time reassuring that it's nothing like that. And, um, you know, explain the, the process of hypnotherapy and how, how they may or may not experience it because everybody is different. Um, so I reassure them if they feel particular sensations or they see particular things in their mind's eye, that that's okay and it's all part of the process and not to worry because when you, you're fully awake at the end, you know, and I don't mean you've been asleep, but fully out of that relaxed um, situation, that it all goes back to normal. It's just part of that being deeply relaxed. Um, and and then it's very much about hearing, you know, why are you here? What, you know, what do you want help with? And giving people a lot of time to talk that through. So, um, again, different therapists use different methods to, to find out what it is that they're to work on. Some people will spend far less time talking through the issue um, and just getting on with it, if you like. But I feel I learn an awful lot about the person if I let them just tell me the whole story and don't just hone in on the thing they phoned and said, this is what I want help with. Because quite often, that's not the root of the problem. Yeah. So I want them to just be able to tell their story in full and um, eventually we get to, okay, so this is really what you're needing help with. Um, so, for example, somebody might come saying, I just, you know, I lack confidence. I just want you to give me more confidence. Well, I don't believe you can put just a sticking plaster over it and just give a session and instantly give them confidence. I want to work out, is there or is there not a reason why you lack confidence? So I want to hear about their whole life and see whether there were any childhood experiences, maybe the way they were parented or in experiences in school or with you know friendship groups or whatever. I want to hear what actually caused you to lose your confidence and or to not have it in the first place. And then we work on it, mm -hmm. sort it out from that base level, if you like. Yeah, yeah, going back to the root cause rather than the surface. Um, I suppose that also plays into the the words you choose to use when you say, I, I suppose you can mainline direct into 
the, the, the context of a, a current feeling or situation, whereas other forms of therapy, as valuable as they are, might take a lot longer linearly to reach that point. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I'm not knocking those other therapies. I think they're excellent. But, you know, for some people, um, it's, it's like a shortcut almost yeah. to, to do it through hypnosis. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it felt to me. Because, I mean, I've had traditional talking therapy in the past over the course of eight weeks. And at the time in my life, I mean, it was brilliant. I got so much from that. But, you know, if you're talking in terms of um, impact and lasting impacts, you know, the, the hypnotherapy I experienced was just on another level. Um, you you touched on it briefly in terms of you know someone will come people will come to you with a, a variety of different things that they want to address and you used confidence there. I mean, typically, what do people tend to come to you looking to address or to frame it another way? How what do you help people with more generally? Um, I would say almost anything. Um, there isn't there isn't one or two. There aren't one or two typical um, issues that people come to address. Um, a lot, but a lot of things fall into the category of anxiety-related problems um, or health-related problems. But I include in, you know, for example, health-related problems things like um, bereavement. Uh, mental health issues, um, confidence, anxiety, uh, anything at all that is impacting on your mental and physical well-being. Um, so, you know, that's, that's also why it's, I think, such a great therapy because it can, it can tackle most problems that people have, most areas of their life they want to work on. It can, it can help. Um, there's the traditional sort of um, beliefs that you know people come for hypnotherapy because they need to stop smoking or lose mm. weight um, I actually get far fewer people that come for those issues now and maybe because it's so difficult to smoke publicly maybe maybe there's less people smoking I don't know but, um, but there's there's you know a handful a year probably come for for smoking or weight everybody else it's it's much more about something that taps into their their general well-being either mentally or physically or both mm -hmm. and do people i'd say on average how how long do people spend with you is it do you tend to see people once or twice or is it mainly a, a longer term relationship with people um no it's not generally longer term it's um it's usually short short term, and I usually say um, at the start that it it's likely to be sort of between one and three sessions. Um, if somebody's coming with one particular issue, one to three sessions should sort it out. Um, but sometimes you know people come and they say I'm here for this reason, but then when they realise it's it's worked, they then say, Well, I've actually got this other thing I'd like you to help me with too. Yeah. So it it might be that. There's a few sessions, but it's generally not more than three or four. Um, having said that, I've had occasional people where it's longer support, and it's it's mainly been for long term health issues where I can't actually fix the health problem, mm -hmm. but they find it very very stressful going through all the treatments 
you know, um, for the health issue. And so as each, possibly each treatment arrives or each, each surgery they need, they just need a top up yeah. to help them to relax and face the next thing that's going to happen to them. Yeah. Um, I've also worked longer term with people who have got um, fairly complex issues like anorexia. Um, and, you know, if that anorexia has been there for decades, then one or two sessions isn't going to sort it out. So because there's so many aspects to that particular mm -hmm. illness. Mm -hmm. So we have we've worked on different areas, you know, for two or three sessions at a time. So it's been a much longer period of time I've worked with them, but yeah. very successfully. And that's, you know, that's wonderful, too, because the traditional support available to, to people, you know, hasn't always worked. It must be incredibly gratifying when you can help people reach that. Uh, I don't I don't want to call it a conclusion because it, it isn't a no. conclusion in a sense. It's it's a next it's the next stage of their journey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's helping people to find a way forward is how I kind of think of it, that you're not saying, well, that's you fixed and that's that thing sorted so you can forget all about it and get on with your life. It's, you're also equipping them with tools that they can, they can transfer to other issues that come up in their lives. Yeah. So, you know, it's, as I said at the beginning, I sort of see life as being a sort of undulating path of good and bad experiences and a lot of mediocre ones. Um, but, you know, <laughs> a but lot you, of mediocre ones, yeah. Everything yeah. in between. <laughs> yeah, you're just, and, and by that, I don't mean, I actually don't mean that negatively. I mean it more that you're just plodding on, going to work yeah. each day and coming home yeah. and having your meals and, you know. Um, That's where life is lived, they say. Yeah, yeah, you're not, you're just, you're not doing exciting things every day and every mm -hmm. week of the year. But um, I've forgotten where this was going, actually. <laughs> we, we, were say, we were saying that, you know, when you, uh, I suppose when, when the, the uh, actually this is a good question, are they patients? Are they customers? How do you, what do you call them? Um, I, I think clients I, clients. I refer to. I, I don't like to medicalize everybody's problems by calling them patients. Hmm. Um, and people, you know, the people, people that come to me just doesn't sound right. So I kind of yeah. I use clients. I'm not particularly comfortable with clients either, but I like it better than patients. Yeah, clients is good. Um, so we were saying when, you know, when I, I suppose a client determines that they're ready to move, the move to the next step, we were saying it's not a conclusion, but an, an onward journey. Yeah. With your, their time with you. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, what I was saying was basically that, you know, you're hopefully equipping them with tools that they can transfer to other issues as they come at, across them in their lives. Um, so hopefully it's not just been a come along, we'll fix this thing and then that's it. You go away and you forget about hypnotherapy. I really hope that people will use the skills that they've adopted in those sessions and transfer them across and use them in other situations as well. Yeah. So this is the next question I had for you was around, you know, what next and benefits. And, you know, for me, I remember thinking back to the first when I was driving home from the first session with you um, and I found it so incredibly powerful. My biggest worry was that the feeling would fade or that the, what I just experienced would uh, with the impact would kind of fade off. And my experience is that it hasn't one bit. So it obviously goes to show that it worked really exceptionally well in the time we had together. But thinking about that onward journey, once people, once your clients have concluded their time with you, what kind of benefits 
are you seeing in people on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I think that depends on what they came, you know, to get help for. Um, but I think just feeling much more comfortable and accepting of, you know, a situation that's maybe affected them all their life. Um, being able to, as I said, you know, sort of find a place to sort of park it or draw a line under it um or feel that right they've now got a totally different perspective so they can just you know put it to the into their back into their subconscious and forget all about it completely um yeah i, I think what i what i think where i think it doesn't work is if people come and say they want help with something and I would say the most common, the most common things that people would come and ask for help for, and it maybe doesn't work long term, are things like smoking and mm. weight loss. And what I would say is that the people where it doesn't keep being powerful and working, you know, in years on, um, weren't actually committed to that change in the first place. Because if they're not committed to it, then no amount of saying to your subconscious, this, is, this would be really good if you would change the way that they behave towards cigarettes or, or food or whatever, um, because it, they'd be healthier and happier and so on. If, if your subconscious doesn't really believe that and isn't ready to make those changes, then it's either going to be more stubborn about changing at all, or it's going to possibly change for a bit and then say do you know what i prefer the old way mm -hmm. and go back to old behaviors and old thoughts and old patterns and habits yeah and i think you know it, it tends to be that the person's not been really fully committed to that yeah. needing to happen and be a permanent change in their life it's it's such a fascinating aspect of the whole thing and i'm going to conclude this part of the conversation on that in a moment just to come back to the benefits thing, I think one of the things I was most curious about was, you know, what, what is this going to look like on the other side? Is it going to be you know, a, a big bang realization that I go skipping off into the sunset? Or is it going to be a series of incremental, almost subconscious behaviors that cumulatively make a difference every day? And, you know, for me, it very much has been the latter. Although I came out of our um, sessions feeling that I'd been through a life-changing experience. It's actually, you know, when I look at the, the days since, it's the little decision points that previously I might have said, actually, I'm not going to do that because I don't feel confident about it or something's holding me back. And I've been able to turn, you know, turn around and say, well, actually, you know, we addressed that. This is, you know, use all your experience as a grown-up to, to approach this in a different way. And what's even more gratifying is I reckon there's 10 times the number of decisions that I'm facing every day that I'm not even aware that I'm applying that mindset to, but I am, and I'm benefiting from that almost binary point, which, you know, leads me hopefully on a more prosperous path than I otherwise would have been on. Yeah, and I think, I suppose that's the one bit where sometimes you sort of smile because, um, because you are changing habits, thoughts, beliefs, behaviors that are deeply embedded in your subconscious part of your mind. That's the unconscious part of your mind. So you're not aware 
of making these decisions to behave in that way, thinking that way, etc. You don't, you're not aware of the process. So when we go in and, you know, talk to your subconscious and get it to actively change the way it's allowing you to think, behave, etc. Um, it's, it's unconscious. So I smile when people come back. Let's just use weight loss as, as the example. I smile when people come back and say, well, I don't know what's happened there, but, you know, I went round the, the supermarket and normally I would be going and picking up all these packets of biscuits and cakes and things. But, you know, I went round and I, I looked to them and I just thought, I don't want any of those. Yeah. And then they attribute that to some other reason, not to the fact they've had hypnosis. You know, they've mm -hmm. had hypnotherapy, which has altered their behavior. Um, they'll say, oh, well, I think it's because I'm really I'm really dedicated now to this diet that I'm following. And I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm just making better decisions or something, you know, and they, they attribute it to something else. And, and I smile because I think, well, I can't expect them to say, well, it's because, because of what you did in that last session, because yeah. it's unconscious. So they're not going to, you know, necessarily recognize well, I suppose um, that means, you know, in a sense, that's, you know, job done effectively for you, right? It's yeah. like you've managed to reach people on that level. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's it's literally a thankless task sometimes, isn't it? People don't even know. Yeah, realize. sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but, I, but it's rewarding too, because you know what yeah. it's worked, even though they don't necessarily recognize. Um, and the other thing is sometimes it can take people a bit of time before they start to recognize those changes are happening. Mm -hmm. um, if it is, you know, something like um, an issue of, of lack of confidence and self-esteem, it can take a few weeks, you know. So, I mean, it doesn't always. Sometimes it's instant. But it can take a few weeks before somebody, because it's all on an unconscious level, it can take a few weeks and then somebody will sort of suddenly realise, wait a minute, I feel totally different. You know, I feel much more confident, much better about myself. But, you know, it. It takes a while before they actually start to recognize that because yeah. um, because it's not an active decision every day to behave differently. Yeah, but hopefully a sustained one. And mm -hmm. I, I do want to ask you about that because you brought it up when you, when you said that, you know, people on some level, if, if the benefits don't last, um, that they might not have been ready for them to last. If, if somebody's decided to come and see you um, and in the days or weeks leading up to their first appointment, how... how mentally or emotionally can they best prepare themselves to get the most from from their time with you um i i well, i don't know if there's a lot of preparation that would be needed i think if somebody's decided they're going to see a hypnotherapist they've already worked out that they've got something they want to work on and as i said earlier i'm i'm happier to sort of have them talk about what they think the problem is that by talking about it Quite often, even just that opportunity to share that out loud with somebody else can bring them to a realization that they haven't previously had, even without any hypnotherapy. Because a lot of people do not like to discuss anything particularly personal with anybody else. And I think particularly when you get to, to mental well-being, it's, there's, there's still in a lot of people a reluctance to talk about issues related to their mental well-being yeah um for fear of lots of different things you know um judgment whatever 
And so having this space that they know is completely confidential to open up about it, you know, can often start start that process of healing or therapy or anything um, just through talking before you've ever done any hypnotherapy. Yeah. Um, so in terms of preparation, I think it's just what people would naturally do, deciding they do have an issue that they're not managing to work through themselves and maybe need a bit of help to do that. And so getting that help from somebody else in complete confidence and knowing that, you know, um, they're safe. I think, you know, I, I spend a lot of time hope, hopefully making people um, feel safe in the space that we have um, or not making them, but helping them to feel safe. Um, because I think that's important because a lot of people feel very vulnerable opening mm -hmm. up about mm -hmm. um, mental health issues or, or some physical issues too. Yeah. Well, I can certainly vouch for, you know, feeling safe and welcome and um, free to express myself in, in your company. So it's, it's something we obviously experience a lot at the men who is we've got our talking circles, which, you know, typically have anything between five and 12 people at a time. And uh, what a lot of people come in and say when they've been to their first few is I came here with something on my mind and then I started to express it verbally and what came out of my mouth was different from what I'd been thinking for the last however long. And it's just that activity of of voicing it. For, there's, there's just a filter that, that is applied for better or for worse and you start to look at things in a new way. And then you hear other people talk around a similar topic um, and you, you, you start to understand how many perspectives you can take on the same word or phrase or experience it's it's truly phenomenal just that act of voicing and listening yeah, as well definitely yeah so it's brilliant it that just Sorry. underlines what i was saying yeah 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 it's it's phenomenal i think um we, we are going to round off the conversation in a moment but i think you know hopefully uh, from that conversation people have got a much better understanding of not just what hypnotherapy is but how it can how it can impact them positively. So I'm I'm very grateful to you for sharing such detail in your experience and, and your professionalism. Um, and I'm sure people will benefit from this, whether they choose to engage with it or not. Well, thank you very much. And and I would just say again, you know, if people think they might, you know, want to try it, then do just make sure you're you're uh, choosing someone with the appropriate qualifications, any diploma in hypnotherapy, uh, but also as I said, don't be embarrassed to ask them about their experience and if they have any particular specialisms. A lot of the hypnotherapists in their websites will state what their specialisms are. Mm -hmm. but, um, if they haven't, then just ask. Yeah. And if you don't feel comfortable with that person, don't go with them. Go and mm -hmm. talk to another hypnotherapist and, you know, just see if you feel more comfortable with them because it is important that you feel comfortable that you feel there's somebody you can really open up to, that you feel safe to do that ex exploration and um, that you feel you're, you're actually getting the correct help. So um, everybody's got different uh, styles. Everybody's got different techniques. So what works for, for you won't necessarily be what works for somebody else. So I'm never precious about saying everybody's got to come to me I really want people to feel I'm the right person for them to see. And if I'm not, that's absolutely fine. You know, try someone else. What I would say is don't give up. Mm -hmm. Don't say, well, it didn't work, so I'm not going to do it again. If it didn't work with one, try another one, because it could very, very much work for you with somebody else where you just have a, 
much better click. Perfect. Well, look, we're going to put um, put your information in the show notes so that if, if people do want to pick up with you, they know where to find you, um, both online and uh, and in person. So we'll put that in. And uh, if anyone does want more information on Kirsty, then please feel free to, to get in touch with us and we'll pass on your details. Um, so to round off the conversation, we kind of pull ourselves back up into this the, the world of mental well-being generally. Um, and the, the, the first question I want to ask, although I think we've probably covered it, is if you had one piece of, of mental well-being guidance for somebody who confided in you, and this doesn't necessarily have to be from your, your hypnotherapy background, what would be the first thing that you suggested they do to help address what it is they're going through? Um, I think one of the most important things that all of us can do is accept ourselves as being good enough. No matter what issues you've got to resolve or, you know, um, parts of yourself you're not particularly happy about, nobody, as I said, is perfect. So I think if we accept ourselves as good enough, then we're making huge strides forward. Perfect. Great place to start. <laughs> uh, so, so Kirsty, as we like to do on uh, on the Men Who Talk podcast, to round off, we have a top a question from our previous guest, which I'll put to you in a minute. And um, if you're happy to, I'll also ask you to leave a question for our next guest. But our question from the previous guest is: How do you invest in your health? Uh, I invest in my health in lots of different ways. I go hill walking i go walking i cycle i love music i play lots of different instruments and i sing and i make sure that in every week there is time for at least one or two of those things um i also have a cat who is incredibly therapeutic for me um you know just stroking an animal and getting that unconditional love you know is just amazing yeah incredibly therapeutic so yeah uh i have lots of different things that i tap into and but but the important thing is i make time to at least do one or two every week perfect so yeah i think you know all these little investments that pay dividends over time whether it's cats or hills or singing that's wonderful yeah (laughs) (laughs) thank you for sharing all of those um and do you have a question for our next guest on the podcast um my question would be, which aspect of your profession do you get most satisfaction from? Mm-hmm. Love it. That's, that's a unique one. And I'm looking forward to the answer on that one. We don't know who's next, but it's a good one, whoever it is. <laughs> um, Kirsty, uh, I'll just round off by saying thank you again so much for your time and your wisdom and your input. I, I know this will make a difference for people who listen and whoever chooses to engage in hypnotherapy with you or, or one of your industry colleagues. It's an extremely powerful thing. So thank you again. And thank you. I'm really happy to have been on. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Men Who Talk. We really hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we did and can apply some of today's wisdom to your own mental well-being practices. For more information on this episode or our collective, head to the show notes or visit our website www.themenwho.com or head over to Instagram at themenwho underscore. If you've found value in what we've been sharing, feel free to rate and review our show as it really helps us spread the word and reach more listeners. For now, keep talking, stay well, and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Men Who Talk. Hold up. 